0: Greetings and welcome to Nodcast with Nod founding members Paddy Shine and Chris Haslam. Nod bless. Gareth. Hello. Gareth Smith.
1: Where? How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just closing the window.
0: Is it? I'm all right. What's that mean? Is that. What do you mean you're closing the window? You mean you're farting? Is that, is that No, that, it, was a, uh,
1: it was a computer. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gary for you to you to think otherwise, you know. Yeah. I'm okay with come that.
2: With a, you can come up with a euphemism. Yeah.
1: yeah totally.
0: Just uh just uh using a, a window. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> drawing drawing the drain pipes or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm yeah. gonna do now. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, do it. Draw us draw us some drain pipes. So, what's that thing on the wall behind where you are there? Is that where you hang your leather trousers?
1: What thing? What thing?
0: Behind you. Behind
1: you. No, nah, that's not there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is it? Oh, I know what it's it is. Like means. a little close hook It's for hanging guitars, isn't it? Is that I, like you... I don't
1: know what you're on about. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> that's a lonely guitar. That's, that'd be a lonely guitar up there. Is there. Only I'll one? tell you what's
1: going to happen. That thing that you think is hung on the wall there is going to slowly move forward over the course of this podcast and uh, you'll be proved otherwise that it's not actually a, a guitar thing. But that's, it's not a bad pump.
0: <laughs> okay, right, well, let's see. I look forward to seeing what happens over the course of this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gareth, welcome to the Nodcast. Gareth Smith of... Um, uh, currently, I guess you'd be most well known for for vanishing. Your project uh, is vanishing.
1: Um, I'm sure, about well known. I think you've been very generous there, but uh, yeah, well, <laughs>
0: well, well, known amongst the right people, I would say.
1: That's that's a good answer.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's something that we'll touch on because I think uh, vanishing and and all the projects that you've been a part of should. There should be more people listening to them. That's just what that's that's my personal opinion. Um,
1: what do you can think, in-
0: We can get into that. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I would agree. I would agree, yeah. really. But it's it's nice to hear really you say that. Yeah, yeah.
0: We can go I into. Agree.
1: The, I agree. Just well. stuff in a bit. Cheers, Chris.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, so vanishing is is your project now, Um and you've been you've done some stuff with Nod, Uh and uh, myself. Yourself and Chris were in a band together. You and Chris started a band way back in, I don't know what it was, 2000 and fucking something. I don't three, really remember. Century, I think
2: it was. was it two or three? 2002 <laughs> or
1: three? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it might have even have been four, three or four, I'd say. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think it was probably about 2005 before you got involved, Paddy. Is that about right?
0: Yeah, I can't remember. Time is... I think
1: we'd, we'd only played one gig. We'd only done one gig before you got involved. But I mean, that's Chris, right. was obviously writing stuff for a bit.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. I saw you play your first gig at the Music Box, and that's when I said, oh, yeah, you, you need a drummer? Yeah, I'm a fucking great drummer, me." And then... Uh, <laughs> yeah, blagged my way onto that one somehow. Through Chris, I think, really. I think Chris that got me the gig, really. Um...
1: You were a good drummer, man. I mean, you are a good drummer, but I mean, it was wow. the nice, most um, yeah composition of, of of energy, wasn't it? And that, it was uh,
0: energy, yeah. It was energy. Yeah. It was a good combination of amphetamine, enthusi- yeah. enthusiasm, and um, really enjoying the crack that this Stranger Son. So the band was called Stranger Son of WB and something else, and the 10,000 Maniacs from the Sea or something like that.
2: Robot Crab first? Exodus.
0: Oh, Stranger Son of WB and the Robot Crab Exodus.
1: Yeah, Part two, possible. Part two. Part two,
0: <laughs> yeah. that, that was that the was first
1: thing, you know. Yeah. Was, yeah.
0: And then that got sh- sh- shortened down to Stranger Son of WB. Um, and what a fucking great little project that was. You know, that was a great little band. Um, and that's I, I like talking about Stranger Son of WB because I I was in I was in the band um, for for a while, so I like talking about that. But I also like talking about it because I think the music was fucking mint, and I think the best parts of those music were like the rehearsal tapes. Where those rehearsal tapes were recorded, I, I, some of the tapes that were used to record those things on, you know, like the whole. That whole the whole fucking thing that was going on with that band at that time was just a fucking golden age for me personally. <laughs> in in being in being in a band, you know, and the, re- rehearsing at um Butterfly Studios in Manchester. Was it Butterfly? It was called Butterfly, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like for anybody that's for people from Manchester around our age in their forties. They'll know Butterfly, but for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, maybe Gareth, you could.
1: I mean, give I've got a care <laughs> I tread through what Butterfly was. but I mean, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't deny that those, um, those kind of like uh, those rehearsals. I mean, obviously, me and Chris had obviously done a, we did a piece of work, me and Chris Scarrow, to try and come up with like an aesthetic and a, a bit of an idea and kind of finding the shared influences. Obviously, Chris and I had, had known each other through playing in other bands previous to that and we'd kind of met each other and uh, I think I'd left the band that I was playing in and Chris had left the one he was playing in and we somehow stumbled across each other and uh, you know decided to kind of do something and you know we did we worked hard for a good six months or so didn't we Chris kind of yeah man beats and stuff and uh, yeah even just
2: even just the idea I think I I think I remember at the time we were kind of sick of being in like kind of very serious bands with a serious image and attitude and we just wanted to have some fun with it so we just kind of came up with all these ridiculous titles and names for everything and all these like oh I don't want to say in jokes because we didn't want to keep them in we wanted to expose this madness onto everyone to experience um but yeah, it was just a very inventive time, wasn't it? Creative period of of just the. Uh, I mean, I remember some rehearsals, and we'd like fucking. Now we've got about three albums there.
1: <laughs> oh, I know? mean, it was it was crazy. I mean, after the kind of like six months or so, me and Chris yeah, bashing stuff together, then we we did that first gig, and uh, it, it, Tim Oryx had joined us on guitar yeah. at that point. And my mate uh, Andrew Geordie played drums on that. Um, and that you know oh, yeah, that was probably that was probably quite you know I think we brought some new influences together to kind of put that out there and make those that early bunch of work, but it was it was probably quite controlled. But then soon as soon as we'd done that first gig and actually you got in the mix, Paddy, it just like it put the afterburners on everything, and it just it, it just became like mm-hmm. just utter madness, really, and uh, just so so much fun for at least. Yeah probably six to nine months it was just a it, i looked forward to those rehearsals more than anything else in my in my week really and yeah uh, yeah it, it was just a it was a pure it was a pure astonishingly creative time it was so it was very pure the way because we jammed everything didn't we so we, yeah. You know, yeah jammed you know we'd, we'd just start somewhere and just constantly keep keep starting stuff and i'd be doing the same with the you know, with the words as well. So I was kind of jamming the words out live and uh, there was so much <laughs> stimulus going on around there. You know, we'd, we'd have a few tins, wouldn't we? Maybe have a pint or something after work before we practiced and there'd be, yeah. you know, there'd be weed going around and stuff like that. But then also is yeah. this crazy environment that we was in, which was Butterfly, where you had this mad mix, mad energy kind yeah. of rushing through the place of all these random people. Plus all this, for a lyricist, the walls were like covered in like posters and mad little signs, little stupid things that made yeah. no sense. Why anyone yeah. put it on a wall? But yeah. it, was, it was gold if you were like looking for words of inspiration.
2: Gareth, do you remember all them postcards that we found? And each one was from the same person. And it all it, every every postcard I'd written. It's great here. Really sunny. Booze and fags are very cheap. (laughs) (laughs) There's about eight of these postcards from the same guy. Weren't they
0: all weren't they all from Fletch?
2: I think they were all from Fletch. No, I think it was Bobby, you know, or
0: I I think it was Fletch. Because I remember those I I remember those postcards because Fletch used to travel all around, didn't he, doing the tickets? Right, yeah. Yeah. So he was he was going all around Europe doing that. Uh, and then, like, um, there was an Irish fucker that'd be in there asleep on the fucking oh, sofa. Dude,
1: I mean, there were, <laughs> those those guys there. Dude, I mean, they were obviously we were practicing. You know, they were hanging out in in that space. You know, after the shop had closed, and uh, I'll say no more about that. But you know, they were, uh, <laughs> we were practicing in their space, and it was like a cohabited space for a while. It, One of two kind of. Distinctly yeah. different forces. And, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm totally convinced that the kind of manic energy that came through those Strangers' songs, that six to nine months, was yeah. totally informed by practicing with all those guys. Yeah. Like that there. Absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I remember the, manic, the, the, f- the first few times being there and we'd stop a song and they'd be like, it's shit, You're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, okay, and then you carry on, and then like after a few weeks of doing being there, like two or three nights a week, or it was usually two nights at least, and then after a few weeks, they'd be kind of oh, not bad, yeah, yeah, you're getting there now, lads. Uh, but fucking yeah, just some of the, like there was a time where I know we had to appease Bobby the Irishman by letting him sing a few songs,
2: yeah, because yeah. he'd, he'd
0: had a, he'd had a few jars in him, and he was like. I don't know. He was singing Elvis songs or whatever, and we were just playing whatever while he was singing these Elvis lyrics over the top, and that, and for about ten minutes. And then he was like, "Ah, oh, nice one." And then he just like went back on the sofa and went to sleep. But he <laughs> th- 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 woke up while we were playing, and he was like, "What the fuck are you lot doing in there?" And we're like, "Practicing. We fucking practice here every week."
1: It was, it was not. It was. I feel. I feel so blessed to have like experienced something like that because, I mean, mm-hmm. we can try mm-hmm. and talk. We are trying to talk about it now, but I don't think, I don't think what we're saying could ever capture the the essence no. of it, which was just really quite something else. It?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, your Wi-Fi is rubbish, time. buddy. You need to have a word with. Uh,
0: you know. Is it? Am I cutting out a lot? Yeah, because it's.
1: Either that or you're just moving really slowly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, fuck's sake. I wonder if it's my computer. I wonder if it's my computer. Is it working now? Yeah, yeah it seems to be now, okay yeah. when you get going, but
2: <laughs> when you when you start saying the odd thing, it just cuts out a bit. Ah, oh, for fuck's
0: sake, man.
1: You've been monitored. Even... Butterfly are monitoring you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think it's my fucking laptop. I don't know. Fucking, uh, uh, fuck it, I don't care. Uh, is it working yeah, now?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, just is before start-
1: that,
2: just before that as well, I think I met you, Gareth, at the castle. One of the first times I met you was at the castle and Tim put you on at that siege night.
1: Oh, God. yeah, the castle in Oldham, sorry for yeah, you. Know, it, Oldham, yeah. yeah, and you played as The Virus House with Liam Max. yeah, yeah.
2: I think that was the first time anyway.
1: Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, okay. I remember um, yeah, yeah, I remember really loving like, the Sony N that night and really loved the band, you know, kind of um, after then. I felt it was really, you know, very sonically kind of different to what we were doing, but like just as, you know, lads, you know, very, you know, totally on a level. And, uh, you know, I really felt there was... Um, a close uh, close comrades amongst yeah. uh you, know, you guys really. Did um, you
2: living in Manchester then then? When did you move to Manchester?
1: Yeah, yeah, I moved um is in 2000 or 2001, um so yeah, it was within a year or so of being here. And we yeah. did a bunch of shows and you know that the band I was in, you know, it was, it was a bit post punk, more more punky really, probably quite quite freshy and uh you know, noisy and stuff, and um, you know, you were doing something that was a bit more articulated, wasn't it? You know, there was a bit more <laughs> kind of thinking behind it. You know, <laughs> I think mean, that was like,
2: just that was just Mike, though, wasn't it? Mike and his lyrics and his seriousness.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Mike was, you know, he, was a, he had a real, a real kind of presence as, as like a um, as somebody giving a giving a statement as a, as a front person. You know, so yeah. he was. Um, you know, but the Sonic, the Sonics of the whole Sonic, and were great and, you know, it kind of move through, you know, it, I've never really listened to stuff like uh, Sonic Youth, for in fact, you know, to be honest Chris, I don't think I'd ever listen to a Sonic Youth album until you lent me one. <laughs> <laughs> when we started kind of Stranger Song really, so yeah. I've kind of missed a lot of the the, the influences that, that, that you were kind of into really, so it, it was, it felt even more like, where, I don't where's this music come from? I don't know what I don't know what the yeah. reference points are, you know.
2: I only started listening to that stuff through Mike though. So right. I got into all that stuff quite late. So I probably would have only been into it a couple of years before before I met you. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but you yeah, know, I mean the big shared influences that we brought together were stuff like The Fall, weren't they? And yeah. uh, B-fat. You know, metal Beef Metal Box by Pill, I remember that being like, you know, a big thing that we we're, you know, both into and you know. Yeah, you know, those you know that I suppose if you think about those early Stranger Things, something that sounds a bit like the Fall metal box or B far, it's probably not too far away from what some of it sounded like, is it really? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the so the Virus House, the band that you used to be in when you moved to Manchester, all mm-hmm. you lads were from Hull originally. Well,
1: yeah, well, there was three of us. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have a drummer at the time, but. uh yeah, yeah, Lee and Max, two friends of ours from well, from Hull, just all moved over here, really. And we'd started to play some shows in, in Hull. And um, Lee had come to university, Lee's a couple of years older than me. He'd, he'd come to university in Manchester. So I'd been over to Manchester a couple of times. And I was like, he came back to Hull. And uh, after he would finished uni, we were like, what what are we going to do? And uh, I was like, well, why don't we just move back there? That's kind of what we did, really. No, uh, no thought beyond that, really. Um, yeah, yeah. Got it going. Got a drummer in. um had a couple of drummers in Manchester. Got it going, and you know, played for about eighteen months or so, and then I kind of maybe two years, and I, I left at that point. I'd, as Chris had kind of outlined earlier on, I, you know, I wasn't really enjoying it that much, you know. And uh, did you, know, did you leave? change?
0: Didn't you leave in a blaze of glory and have a fucking fist fight with
1: one of, <laughs> one of the lads
0: who were in a banger on the, on the stage or something like that? That's what I've been told
1: anyway. You know, it was a very, we lived together. You know, it was a, it was a daft thing. So yeah. there's just a lot of, you know. It was when pockets. We didn't, yeah, when we didn't live together. So there was a, a window where we didn't live together. And we used to practice all the time. We used to go, we had a practice room in Salford. And we'd go out and practice all the time. It was great. And then we moved in together. And it was, we'd practice in the basement. And we'd just never practice. And, you know, it was, um, you know, just the, everyone was always cooking some or making a cup of tea or some crap like that. And, uh, you know, slowly lots of kind of tensions built up. And, yeah, there was, there was a, a few times where we kind of got, you know, me and one of the guys got a bit shirty with each other, you know, but it was all, it was all, it was just, it was just frustration, really, and being, you know, young, you know, young, a bit angry, you know, and stuff like that, yeah. you know. No, no, not, nothing malicious, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So do you feel as, as uh, I stayed in Manchester, has it been good to you then? Do you no know, regrets moving to Manchester from home? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's strange. I never intended to, like, stay here as long as I have. I mean, I've been here like, over 20 years now. Um, I do think it's been good to me. There was a time, there was a time about um, maybe about six years ago or something, I was feeling a little bit jaded with it, actually. You know, I've been through various things and thought it was maybe a time for a change. But kind of at that moment, that was when kind of you lot were in the mill and. Um, you know, I started spending a bit more time over at the mill and meeting. You know, met a whole bunch of new kind of creative people as well, mm-hmm. people like Carl and uh, mm-hmm. David McLean, and you know, all, all those kind of people. They appeared in my world and and they kind of really energised me with like just a new a new set of creative people, which is, you know, it's been good. You know, and, and Manchester has been good for me in that way. Every time I felt a little bit. A little bit bored, a little bit time to move on. You know, somebody else has come along, and it's probably happening much more nowadays because the city's like growing so fast. And there's, you know, I work with people in in my job that have moved here from London. I mean, that was unheard of 20 years ago. It'd be, it was a one way trip that he was doing down there. Mm. So, you know, there's probably even more kind of interesting creatives, you know, Um, it, it loses it loses a dynamic in that process as well. You know, I think that the city is um, is, is not what it was. But Manchester's always been a changing city, hasn't it? I think it's yeah, always yeah. cyclical changes. It's always had like my, migrant workforce, people moving in from different parts of the, the UK or Ireland or Europe or you know whatever.
0: So, so when you say it's not what it was, what do you mean? Like in what way? You say that with a kind of like, you mean like it's not as good as it used to be, or how, how do you mean? Like,
1: I mean, <clears throat> I, what I find, I find frustrating, you know, I mean, it's not really affected me much. I mean, I, I'll chat a bit about Vanishing in a bit, but, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons why I started making Vanishing, which is ostensibly me working from home with a bunch of people, but not really rehearsing as much, I got I got absolutely sick to death of going into practice rooms. Like, um but I absolutely recognise the need and value for practice rooms for bands in the same way that artists need art spaces. And it seems very you know, it's very real at the moment that, that a lot of those spaces have been moved on. Now I know I know you two have been through this very recently, haven't you? But there's a whole there's a whole history of it over the last ten years of artists being moved out of the city centre and you know, yeah, they can be accommodated in other places, and as I understand, a lot of the a lot of the musicians from Brunswick Mill have, have ended up in Salford or something. But you know, it's a loss to Manchester. It's a loss, to, and particularly if it's in walking distance from the town. You know, as yeah. an artist, you want you want the energy of of a city, don't you? Yeah. You know, we live in a, This Manchester's an urban place, and you need that urban connection with that urban energy. You know, that the stuff that attracted me to Manchester, like Joy Division, New Order, the Fall, the Happy Mondays, all of that stuff's got that urban energy in it. You know, and uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I fear I fear for the the, the grassroots long term of where that stuff's gonna come from if it's not allowed to be populated in in amongst the place where the energy moves, which is near or in the city centre.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I get you, man. Um yeah. What to, be do- what to be done, though? You know what I mean?
1: Well, I mean, this is the price of the, the city becoming an attractive place to people from London. This is no dig at anyone from London. I've got no no issue there. But, you know, the the, the city's been rebuilt, and there's lots of new buildings going on. And uh, the inevitable consequence of that is that spare space, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like Joy Division and the fall, You know, and all that stuff would have happened if it yeah. weren't for the fact that there was all these old mills kicking around where you could set up a... Couple of amps in there, and you could leave them there and not worry about someone breaking in there because there was an abundance of this space really. Yeah. and
2: uh... yeah. I mean, The good thing about Butterfly, it was on Oldham Street, right in the centre, right in the heart of of nightlife in Manchester. <laughs> so when you went out for a pint afterwards, you were just right
0: there, you know. Yeah. Um, and you and you knew and you knew that half of the people who you might see in the pub that night probably heard you rehearsing as you were, as they were walking yeah. up the street to go for yeah. the pipe, and they were probably like what the fuck is going on in there Do you know it's like
1: totally, yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
0: it's mad isn't it? it yeah I mean those things uh, I, I, I definitely took them for granted at the time I mean especially as a blowing a, a country boy really can come to Manchester to be in the mix there in, in the city, even up till very recently rehearsing in Brunswick Mill, as much as the the toilet or whatever, whatever, just bullshit, you know. Being, going to that place always made me feel good. Like I felt like I was doing something. I felt like I was a part of something still in the city, you know, by going yeah. to this place for the ritual, going to the ritual place to do the ritual, you know. Um, so it's kind of mad, really, that those places are disappearing. I mean, on a on a light or not. Well, on a, I'm chatting with somebody at the minute, somebody who's building a lot of places in Manchester, um, and they have a space, a huge underground bunker space in in a building that they've got access to that we could probably fit ten or fifteen decent sized rehearsal rooms in. And Dave said to me, if I do the work on it that that I could turn them into rehearsal rooms so
1: yeah, the artists know. go underground eh
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it with no windows no fucking <laughs> no ventilation
1: oh god feel right that's where,
0: Can you that's where the, the one is. I mean
1: you know I don't it's, it's, it's easy to just kind of like Wave the finger at the council and say this is the council's fault, you know. But you know, it's it's less tangible than that. It's like you know, there's lots of different forces. We have a government that's very that's very supportive of like building stuff, and you know, has regulations and laws in place that make it difficult to fight against it or something. But mm. I, I, I do wish that the council had a bit more a bit more understanding of like the grassroots, yeah, you know, scene. You know, because You know, we all did this for years without making any money. And none of us, you know, probably have even made any money anyway. You know, you're lucky Mm -hmm. if you manage to, like, make it pay for itself and maybe, you know, you can pay your rent for a month or something. And, you know, for a lot of... A lot of people don't understand why that is. And it's because it's the need to just create. It's just the need to be, you know, have an artistic expression. And there is no... There is no financial tra- transaction that, that's going to come at the end of it. it. It's just a way to keep people making sense of their life. And uh
0: yeah.
1: you know, yeah. I don't, I don't think the, I, I don't get the sense that the council has something that's that's embedded that kind of understands that. But it's I can't imagine for one moment that Manchester council is, you know, is any different from any others. Really, <laughs> they're there to provide. You know, increasingly there to provide like emergency service, aren't they? And Nothing more because they've had the budget hammered. And uh, I just wish culturally, as the UK, we were more, we had more understanding and uh, an empathy for for just the need to just be creative. Do you think
0: that there's um, a bit of a cultural shift going on here as well? Like maybe like bands really aren't as seen as like as you know a cool. Cult- people in general not not just the council I, I I feel like somehow I just don't know if really music is that high in the agenda for the after minute like band, being in a band or bands really don't they don't anymore like how they used to you know what I mean, uh, I yeah, mean, I that, mean- maybe, but that's just the vibe I'm getting and like it's like who who needs why have a rehearsal room and haven't you just got like logic or
1: you know i mean haven't you got
0: zoom haven't you got like vr why do you need to have a room you know what i mean it's like maybe we're yeah. just like the last of generation that still think that bands are cool <laughs> you know I mean? well,
1: yeah but even, even if you're not a band i mean <laughs> if you you've just got your laptop and your MC, you know on the top of it you need somewhere to like you know plug that in and you know you can't you can't get a sense for what it is to play a live gig by just doing it un in your bedroom you know i mean you need to you need a space where you can crank it a little bit don't you feel it and that's part of the learning that's part of the artistic development in it is how you kind of Mm -hmm. reinterpret what you what you might have made and logic or whatever into like a live setting or some some other way of sharing it really so i i think ultimately whether it's bands or not, there needs some space for people to be artistic, don't they? And it, it, that must be a fundamental ingredient to to any city, I think. Really going yeah. forward, yeah.
2: Have you ever used not, Pirate Studio? Uh,
1: I, no, I don't know what Pirate Studio is.
2: No. So it's kind of like a key code. You get you get like an email with all the key codes on. You rent it by the hour, <clears throat> and you go in. It's like a black door. You type your key code in, let yourself in. Go in the room that you were, you know, sent in the email, go to that, type another code in. It's basically like rehearsal rooms that are kind of unmanaged. It's all done by kind of codes and fucking.
1: All oh, right. Okay. You do it
2: all by the hour. You hire it by the hour. But we've, I've used one. We used one with Holy Scum a few weeks ago. It wasn't too bad, you know. But I mean, there was just lo- all the other rooms were just being used for parties. It was just like kids in there hiring them out and just having parties, which, you know, is great, but not really for bands rehearsing when you can just, like, hear. You couldn't really record in there,
0: you know. Yeah. I mean, have, when... have, having a room, though, is having a place where you can leave all your shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and have 24-7 access to it. That, that, that's, what, that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's but I'm just need...
2: saying that Pirates kind of seems to be going that way of, like, hire by the hour. You know, you don't have a guy letting you in. You don't have a key. Right. Just have, it's all codes and stuff. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. Well, that's it's what like, hotels are like, aren't they? Everything's yeah, like that nowadays, yeah. aren't they?
0: Yeah. What's so You've not had a you've not had a bath <laughs> since you moved to Hebden Bridge.
2: I've not had a bath since I moved into this house. Yeah. yeah, and there is a bath. Yeah. Just it. just put. Just just it's weird the water. about having a bath, isn't there? You fucking run the water, you have to get in, you have to sit in, you don't know how long you're going to be in there. You know, it's just like it's all weird. The time yeah. time goes all strange for me in a bath. Like
0: Yeah. It's not as handy as control it's, it's, over it, like it. it's not it's not as handy as just using a tin of Lynx Africa, is it? You know what I mean? It's like, wet wipes. It's like, yeah. yeah.
2: A load of wet wipes.
0: Just like just fill filling. Filling your socks with the Lynx, Af- Lynx Africa.
1: Feel like that wine I've just tasted there.
0: <laughs> that is what you lot do, though. That's one of the things about on tour that blows my mind. All the lads, the lads on the tour, I'm not going to say any names, but some of the lads, we're all in our 40s, you know what I mean? We're all getting on a bit. And there's the lads spraying Lynx Africa. That they got for Christmas off their mums, you know. What I, mean? yeah. <laughs> I, I and you're like, it's like, lads, we're in our forties, man. We don't wear links. I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> like, on. Fucking don't go around smelling like a fucking
1: swell in your forties. Yeah. Man. I agree, yeah, yeah. Uh. What well, do they not control that. with them? What do they have a particular spray, or is it, is it links, or do you, do you have like? A I use see, it. Enough. It seems no.
0: like it seems like links Africa. There's a couple of the lads there now that <clears throat> yeah, and you. It's just mad, really. And like when you see this, if you're sharing a hotel room with them, it's the fucking worst because <laughs> you're in a hotel room and. <clears throat> it's time and then they're
1: like psh, psh, psh. maybe this would be a good You're point to like- seg- segue into hotel rooms you know <laughs> in, and Nod maybe that would be a good, a good way to uh, segue in <laughs> and I you know I could tell, right, on, I can then. tell the yes. a story about when Ta- Nod absolutely shafted me <laughs> I'm I, actually I'm blaming you Bradley, more than you
0: <laughs> all right come on tell, tell us Gareth about your time in Nod
1: Awful, worst, (laughs) worst time of my life. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) We got got a good album out of it, though, didn't we? We did get a good album out of it.
1: I think the the second album's better. I think that's 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 a much more interesting record for me. uh, Which album? Which the live one?
0: Oh, okay, the one from Roadburn. Roadburn. Yeah, the
1: Roadburn one. Yeah, I think that's really great. I really like that. So, what you,
0: you don't like the Temple of BBV record?
1: I suppose just for my, it's not as a bad record. I just think that I could have done what I was doing better, really. But, you know, it's, um, you know, I suppose the nature of writing lyrics is that I, I actually do, apart from everything that I said earlier on about Stranger Sun, <laughs> I do actually spend a lot of time kind of writing these things and considering them and, uh, you know, considering the, the placement and, um yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that kind of a bit rushed, rushed for me, really. But I, I enjoyed yeah. the spirit of the, you know, that you, you're going to do something that's going to be done in the week. I like I like the kind of ethos behind it. Yeah.
0: I enjoy that kind of pressure because it's kind of like, right, don't get too precious about it, just do it. And um, for me, I think the energy is great. I think your lyrics are great. I think your delivery is great.
1: Yeah, I, I just mean, think it could have been, I, I could have, it could have been more interesting for, for me really from my, yeah. for my end really, but that just takes, it takes time really. And, and you know, it, it, that's to lose what I'm talking about is to lose context to what the, what the record is. So it's, it's kind of unfair, I suppose, to maybe put yeah. some of that against it really. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose the thing yeah. with the, the roadburn one is yeah. that that was just totally improvised. So there's no, there's no kind of, there's no considering anything. It's, it's a, it's just performance isn't it you know and uh instinctive <laughs> performance and anyway i was just reading from my doctor's notes you know so the way of my lyrics yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're my doctor's lyrics yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there, was it a, something to do with tinnitus
1: yeah having tinnitus yeah 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 mm-hmm. which I obviously still got but it's not really a problem but when i first yeah. got it it kind of it stressed me out a bit for yeah. Probably about a year, to be honest, you know, and yeah. then I kind of made peace with it, you know. But yeah. in, that, in that year, I was trying to, you know, what is this? Is it something more dangerous, you know? And I'm sure we've all been through that, haven't we?
0: Yeah. I think, I think when you first notice your tinnitus, I think it, it most people tend to have a bit of a, like, a moment of, like, oh, my fucking God. Shit. This is it now, you know. Um, now... I'm just trying my best to just just get more of it, really. You know, and it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's so weird. It's so weird, isn't it? to its because I had it really bad. Um, going off on a tangent here, but fuck it, I I had it really bad to go. Maybe a bit longer. Uh, um, and I remember it really stressed me out, and I remember sniffing some ketamine. And all of a sudden, I just was like, I was basically living in a world of tinnitus, and it completely sent me under. And uh, so it actually got me into. I said, "Right, I'm never sniffing ketamine again." And then it got me into like researching what I could do about my tinnitus. It it sent me on such a bad trip, Um, and then and like now I, I. Barely notice it. Like, so, I mean, and the more research I've done about it, the more I've done about tinnitus, the more it seems like, the more stressed out you are, the more under pressure that you are, the more stressed you are, the more booze you drink, more drugs you take, less sleep you have. You know, that's it's going to make it a lot worse and compound it. Like, it's all, it's, it's almost like tinnitus seems like it's almost like an alarm bell of your nervous system saying, slow the fuck down take it fucking easy you know like... well, it's, it's not even your,
1: your ear is it it's your brain that thinks it's getting a signal so it's it's all yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. it's all those things so but i mean yeah. any 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 physical ailment <laughs> that you've got is like you know is, yeah. is made worse by drinking too much or too much caffeine or not sleeping you know i mean it just yeah. isn't you know so why why tinnitus would be any different it, yeah of course you know
0: yeah so anyway before we got into tinnitus right we're, what were we chatting about we were chatting about. Manchester's cultural capital whether bands mattered anymore but what I really wanted to get to was like all right, so we were chatting about you being in Nod that was it so you we went so let's put this bit in context we all went together to Eindhoven to go and make this album and do a gig and we were recording an album with a band from Eindhoven called the Radar Men from the Moon so the plan was: we go there, we just fucking get in the studio, improvise, write an album, and then do a gig out of it. And we were there for like a week, was it? Something like that? Five days. Five later. days.
1: Yeah. Is that all it was? Five days. And then there yeah. was the then there was the site fest at the end of it, was not they? Yeah. yeah. So we, I that's think we got there the gig, on the a yeah.
2: Sunday evening, and the gig was on the Friday. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Of the next week,
0: so yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's pretty good going to record and write a set and re- write and record an album and a set in five days. And God love you, Gareth, you did it all without having access to a hotel.
1: room. <laughs> well, I did, I did get an hotel because like, just for the listeners here. So just in case you ever think you're going out on tour, no, this was the, uh, this, was, this is what I got. So I <laughs> no,
0: this, this was, I this was before, before we started to m- request, Everybody getting a four-star hotel.
1: <laughs> this was the moment, you know. It was this tragedy that I had to go through that, that improved the touring <laughs> situation for everybody that's involved in Nod now. So I'm I'm pleased that my my uh, suffering has had like a positive outcome for everybody that's in Nod nowadays. But yeah, driving there for sixteen hours, it, I was driving and um yeah i got there <laughs> and i've been on a paddy all the way through i was like what's what's the sleeping arrangements man what's the slip He's like oh yeah sound yeah sound worry about it yeah sound." we got there and, and it was just there was like it was just dosing on the floor and i just want <laughs> i've been driving for 16 hours and i just actually for the one time in my life i really really needed to go to bed and uh found myself asleep in some room upstairs, and then like some couple came back and you know, got into bed together and started having their fun. I thought, well, yeah, I can't really stay in here, even though they <laughs> kindly offered to let me stay and listen to that. Um <laughs> I ended up like just wandering round Eindhoven at like four in the morning. Tried to go sleep in the van, but couldn't do that. And uh yeah, and then ended up <laughs> And ended up quite angry the next day to the point where I was almost going to fuck off home uh, yeah. and then went, went and got an hotel and side myself out yeah. for the rest of the week and stayed, clear, I, stayed well clear of you lot.
0: <laughs> I, remember, I remember meeting you in the morning that morning, like, oh my God, man, fucking hell. Yeah, you looked very angry. Uh, but we sorted out, and it was all grand in the end, you know. I mean, it's, it's it's, funny, you're yeah. just you're, you're high maintenance, man. It's okay. you're high-maintenance.
1: <laughs> I absolutely aren't. Like what what I did learn though from this process is that I can I can work long hours, and I will work long hours, and I enjoy working <laughs> long hours, doing whatever. But yeah, I actually, yeah. you know what? The thing that I absolutely need is a bed at the end of the day. You
0: know I mean? Well, I am definitely at that stage of my yeah. my. Whatever, I'm I'm at that stage of my life now as well. Same and then, as. <laughs> and then at that time, I was like, ah, I can I'll be all right sleeping on the floor for two or three days, just because at that time, I guess I was I was like, well, I'm just getting fucked up anyway, so it doesn't matter where I sleep if I sleep. So yeah, but I can't imagine I couldn't do that now. If you were out to tour with us now, Gareth, you'd fucking love it, man. We got to. But do- it's it, that's
1: not even true, yeah, you tell probably because.
0: The best restaurants. Do you know what I
1: mean? We go but for- you couldn't. You could to to actually. You know the truth of the story is you couldn't hack it in the house because you came and stayed at that nature reserve <laughs> where I booked a chalet for two nights in Eindhoven. You came and stayed there because you couldn't deal with the house anymore. <laughs> I fucking
0: man. We the, went radar house. the Radar
1: Man House.
2: The Radar Man House.
1: No, yeah, I, I, yeah. so I went into an hotel. I got a couple of nights in an hotel in uh, like Eindhoven, some part of Eindhoven. And then there was some, uh, some pop concert on for like a few nights and there was no hotels available at all anywhere in Eindhoven. The, the next best thing was like this wooden chalet. in the- <laughs> oh, <laughs> About was 15 like a miles.
0: It was a pyramid like, thing, wasn't <laughs> it?
1: Like a triangle, like old fashioned chalet. Yeah, this, I remember like, now. Yeah. Yeah. In this kind of nature reserve thing. And, uh, I stayed lovely. And you came and you bolted at the first opportunity to join me
0: in that. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a rough, it was a rough few days. It was, it was, but you know, but I still think, you know, we got a good album out of it. And um, and it, it was all right. I mean, how was the road burn? I mean, what happened at road burn? Did you get a hotel that night?
1: Road burn. Um... Well, what when we went a year later. When we yeah. did know your
2: limitations gig.
1: Yeah, no, I think we all we all stayed in like we stayed in the studio for a couple of days, didn't we? Where they had like some, a proper like dorm and stuff. Chris, we was together. What we with Rakes was with us, I think. And um,
0: oh, we stayed at this guy's house, didn't we? Um, this guy, big. Uh, I remember he had a massive house.
1: You might have. Fun. We I think we stayed in the studio. There was like some. There was some actual. Uh, there was a, a, a dorm light in there. And then we stayed at the end of it when we went to Robo and we stayed at that guy's house, didn't we? Uh, uh, that couple, was it Amina, e- Evo, was it called? Can't remember. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah.
0: Uh, that's what I meant. Yeah. That's what I meant. Evo and Amina, but whatever, whatever, it's all. Fucking. Right. So that's your nod experience. Well, you know, I'm glad that, you know, we,
1: we, we... I was at the first nod gig, you know, have you ever what? talked about that Like
0: what at the Royal Oak
1: yeah yeah, i was yeah, there yeah
0: yeah what 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 did you think at the time did you think, well, I we were going I
1: think to... it, it was quite interesting i mean it, it seemed to be just like a very uh participatory type gig there was lots of people involved and uh
0: yeah you know yeah. Maybe,
1: maybe Merlin and G might have been involved maybe your side was involved chris yes, yeah. yeah, I si
0: was there yeah
1: yeah yeah, and yeah. uh Yeah, I remember a lot of rhythmical stuff and just like a lot of floating, like ambient sounds or something like that. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember thinking it was quite interesting and interesting to see where it went. And obviously, it went through quite a few different journeys, didn't it? To to what it is today?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, in those early days, it was just madness. And yeah, and to think, like you know, upstairs at the Royal Oak, fucking hell, we did put on some put on some all all I wonder, if, I wonder if people can still put gigs on it upstairs there or what what the crack is.
1: Yeah. Don't know. It's still there, isn't it? It's a massive it's, big pub, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's definitely still there. It's probably pretty good boozer. I mean it was always it wasn't a bad boozer anyway. It's probably probably got probably a good boozer now, really. Um
1: yeah. I've, I've not been out drinking in Charlton for years. I don't that's really m- know uh, what that's like. Last anyway. time
0: Last time I was in the Royal Oak, I can't remember if I was absolutely MDMA'd out on my fucking rocker, and uh, it was New Year's Eve, I think, and I think I sang fucking the old triangle or something like that, <laughs> absolutely remember. off my fucking face. I and had a bit. I've been fire, in there yeah. since then. I don't think so. No, yeah, I don't think so. It was no. one of them boozers. Last where time you I was in there, and it was nice. Sunday roast. There's loads of Irish families in there, really. A lot a lot a lot of Irish families in there. It's good. They
2: do a good Sunday roast that was pretty cheap. Not sure if it's still that cheap, but uh it's all like it was, life one, life. Yeah.
1: It was one of the, the only boozers in that part of Charlton that that was like very kind of working class, wasn't it? And kind of unpretentious, really. And, uh, yeah. You know, I, I liked it. I liked it for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch the football in there as well. You'd always show the football. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so drinking that, 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 that Nod gig, and I do remember there was another Nod gig as well, maybe I, I thought your listeners might be interested in that. I uh, really remember that, that stuck on me. And it was, uh, I think it was sounds from the other city. And uh, it was YouTube and maybe, maybe Dallas or someone, or no, there was a third person involved as well. And um, it was, I think it might've been upstairs at the King's Arms. And it was an electronic set, uh, and the three of you were just under like tarpaulins. Oh like. yeah,
2: fucking hell, yeah!
1: That was like that was amazing. I mean, that's a t- <laughs> I mentioned that just as a totally different concept to what Nod is nowadays. But yeah. I went into the room <laughs> to see you play, and there's just these three shapes under these like tarpaulins. Where you can't see anything. Can't see <laughs> anything. Just this like fluttering, electronic fluttering. And these three like mounds that are kind of gently rising is just like something's a bit like aliens or'' it's about, it's something about to come out the top of it but but not quite you know, and uh, you know it was it was great, I thought that was just that uh, uh, really really made me laugh, but really I found it really thought provoking as well it was great and, uh, really a piece of art, a real piece of art you know,
0: yeah, fuck man, I forgot about those days when we used to play under the tarps. Um, we did a few gigs like that. I think the first time we played with Mugstar in Liverpool, we were doing that. Yeah. And uh, they were like, what the fuck are these clowns up to? <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, yeah. we did it with a band, with Jackie O Motherfucker as well, um, which was a really good gig in the King's Arms uh, with, with Jackie. Maybe it was that gig that you well, Maybe that. it might have been that, yeah. 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 It was a bit of a mad night. I think one of the Jackie O Motherfucker heads and. I mean, I don't know. I just this is what I remember. I don't want to cause any trouble or anything. Like that, but I'm sure one of them was like on the brown and was getting into some difficulty Nuki. in the toilet. <laughs> Nuki. Nuki, what's that? all what? Brown. All oh,
2: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. They couldn't take the Nuki Brown. But there was some there was a bit of drama about that going on. it was a good night though. Didn't he end up in night. hospital? Didn't he Something, something happened. Didn't he collapse and end up in hospital or something? I don't know if it was a he, it might have been a she. I don't know. All oh, right. Okay. I just remember that. And that I remember that because that was the first night as well that I remember meeting Simon McCluskey and uh Katie. Oh. They were both at the gig. And that was that was the first time I remember meeting those two. Um they, yeah, we did some pretty fucking mad gigs with the Stranger Son as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember some. Uh, I remember like one really super aggressive gig where we played in like some house party somewhere, and uh, I was amazed that, you know, particularly myself, probably got out there without getting lamped, really. But, uh, do you remember that? Like,
2: is that in Levenge, uh,
1: or? No, it was in like the Northern Quarter before anyone used to live there. Like, it was some like upstairs in some loft, I think. Wow, yeah.
0: I have a vague recollection of that. Yeah, was it, it was, like, was it I kind of above? That, no. Was it above the fringe bar? Was it around that bar? Around
1: there, yeah, 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 yeah. I
0: have a very vague recollection of that. No, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It was just a Fucking very yeah. yeah. It was like a Friday night, and everyone was like trolled in there, and it was a totally inappropriate place. You know, if you like sharing your music and like it's all part of the vibe that would have been great but that wasn't what we did was it we didn't share our music (laughs) you kind of got slaps around the face with it didn't you and if you didn't like the slap then Mm. I don't know what happened after that like but uh,
0: yeah were you swinging your bell around at that time I might have had the bell as
1: well which probably didn't help to kind of uh, lessen the kind of aggression really it was to have a church bell listeners
0: (laughs) tell tell them Shouting at blogs, telling them to get fucking trousers that fit them and stuff like that. Get <laughs> some fucking trousers that fit you. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> best, that was your best lyric. That was your best lyric.
1: Um, it was all the spirit of improvising, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, another, I'm trying to think of another Stranger song gig. I mean, I, the, the one that one I remember the most. That's not the one I remember the most, but I do remember playing The Castle in Oldham, which for me was always probably one of the worst gigs you could ever do in Manchester. The Castle, it was just such a weird show. I I never really liked it, but I remember us playing there and somehow Tim managing to get his shoes and socks off whilst, whilst playing the guitar at the same time. But managing to take his shoes and socks off. I and mean, there was all these like fucking um like, like what would you call them? Like moshers or whatever, like new metal kids or whatever, who were all there in those kind of like shorts that go down to your shins. You you know, the ones that I mean. Like proper like mosher, late to mid two thousands, whatever, late two thousands mosher gear. And uh Gareth, you were shouting at them. Oh, right, you get get some fucking trousers what fit you. Uh, just... <laughs>
1: yeah, I did take exception to that on the night. Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. Looking back, it seems yeah. stupid to have got upset about it. But <laughs> but, <I> mean, <laughs> yeah.
0: but it was great because they just stood there looking at us, they, like they didn't even like laugh or walk off or clap or anything. They just stood there looking at us, like and I yeah. always found. Found that the castle was always like that. You just had a bunch of heads that just stood there, just looking at you. And there was no re- ever any reaction. And I think who was playing that night? Ibrahim Aziz was Ibrahim Aziz playing. I think that, that was a diff-
1: that was a different time, Paddy. Yeah, that okay, was like, okay. but uh, but yeah, yeah. I remember they they had a good sound system the castle. But yeah, it was always it was a bit frustrating. One, it? it was always quite quiet, you know. But I mean, maybe that's just, nobody ever wanted to come see what what I was doing. <laughs> 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 which is fair enough, you know. <laughs> the funny, <funniest laughs> <was, laughs> the Ibrahim Aziz night. Yeah. Now that night, something really, really met you, might, not remember this, but I remember it to this day. There used to be a pub next door to the castle, like an old an old school like boozer. It's probably, might still be there. I don't know. I know the castle's been flattened now, hasn't it? Some, somewhere else. So. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. It's, okay. it's been gone years. But this boozer next door, they had, uh, we went in there, did our sound check. Um, it was a later on version, you know, when Julie and uh, Zach was involved, and maybe Dom might have been in the mix as well. And uh, we went for a pint. I think me, you, and Julie went for a pint next door in this boozer, and there was a karaoke on. And um, this guy, this guy, got up and sang uh, "Come Dancing," you know, by the uh, the Kinks. That okay. Down, down. okay. And he sang it from start to finish, off the beat, all the time. <laughs> and it was it was the most insane thing. I was, I don't maybe you was chatting to julie or something but i i was like losing my mind listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> the craziest thing it was like time was like elastic or something but it, it, it just sustained all the way through all i can imagine is he was reading the words soon as they came on the screen rather than <laughs> like <laughs> the music but the whole yeah. song was that, was that just something with a tailspin and yeah that, that's the most memorable thing. I don't remember anything about the gig. I just remember that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Fucking hell. And so tell us, Gareth, right? I mean, so you you, you played. So you did The Virus House, Stranger Son of WB. Uh, did a little bit with Nod. You've got your Vanishing Project, which we're going to go into now. But you also were the kind of like... Uh, the synths guy, the, one of the machines guys, in in Lone Lady for a bit as well. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Just just playing The Sims for Julie really. I mean, Julie yeah. writes all the music, so I was just just uh, just trying to uh, you know help uh, interpret the the albums for you know for live for
0: live yeah
1: live, yeah. live capacity really. So it was uh-huh. it was just like learning parts and you know a lot of fun doing a lot of touring, going to yeah. cities that I'd have, uh, I'd have never visited probably normally, you know, particularly like some of the kind of smaller French ones, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, really, really enjoyed that, but yeah, kind of stopped doing that. Uh, on the last, after the last album, she's had a different band with her for this this most yeah. recent album. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the
0: drummer guy she's got now, he's fucking slick, isn't he? He's fucking slick. Not saying you're. You're not slick. Not saying that at all. <clears throat>
1: But, <laughs> but I think all the players she's had have been really good. I would yeah. definitely say that I was the weakest link in there, but I, I'd like to think I was bringing uh, other elements. to yeah. Really, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes non, the, you, gotta, you need yeah. someone in the, 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 the team that can, you know, play a bit less, you know, and just just be happy with that kind yeah. of setup, really. And uh, yeah,
0: and have a different way of looking at it and thinking. Although I guess it's Julie's call at the end of the day what happens, but even still to have like a kind of a, I'm not saying you're a non-musician, but I mean, I maybe classify you like how I am as a musician. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know. It's just, yeah, <laughs> I just don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but, but you know, you got a feel for it anyway. Do you know what I mean? You don't know what the fuck you're doing, but you got a feel yeah. for it. So it's. That's
1: yeah, I think really so. I mean, important. I think well, I'm an, I think I'm a good arranger,
0: arranger yeah, of music. Too, you
1: know, yeah. I like, I like to work, well vanishing now i like to work with like people that can play and i like to kind of get them to improvise around ideas that i put forward and then make lots of work out of that and then i'll kind of arrange it into some kind of shape so i definitely got the i think i've got the skills to kind of yeah. you know you know arrange music in, but maybe not the the capacity to be the one playing or yeah. or i just think there's something about improvising Music, which always leads it into a slightly different place, doesn't it? Into a place that you wouldn't, you wouldn't take it if I, if you sat down with like, you know, even a, a very proficient individual who can play a piano or whatever. He, there's a, probably a natural instinct to to go towards a light that you recognise, isn't there? But when you're bringing different people in and they're kind of improvising something around an idea, and and you've maybe created a dynamic in in the room which is. Conducive to that, then I think you're always going to get something that surprises you, you know. And, and that, that, that to me is that's a mode I like working in now. That's how I've made the new, the new Vanishing record, and uh, which is know, great,
0: that. which is a really good record,
1: yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've, you've heard it yet, Chris, but I mean, we're, we're, we're just trying to get it landed at the moment, so uh. Kind of sharing it with you know you know some labels and stuff and having a few conversations, having some good conversations at the moment. But you know, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens.
0: It's um, it's it's a difficult um, sound and style to for for I think for labels for 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 the, for it to to be classified as as a as a, a genre or for as. For a label to like think like oh you know even to find a label for the style that Vanishing is because it's 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 quite unique isn't it so I mean yeah it's you need to find the right home for it I mean and there's because it's so fucking heavy uh, like it's so lyrical right? it's so I feel like I don't I don't want to like give anything away about the album, but I think that it's worth having something to read alongside it. You know, like there's more to it than just like the sonics of it. You know, I think there's and um, something's like with that word heavy, like spoken word, like that. It's good to yeah. have a, 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 a Prince accompaniment to it, but you know, especially for this vanishing record that I've heard. The other, the other, the other stuff. I don't know. Maybe so much. I mean, you've done fifty-five degrees north, and then you did a couple of cassettes. I think before that, am I right? Did
1: did one cassette with Tesla types, which obviously you 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 played on half of that, and then a a studio album, which again was most of the music was was yourself and a few other people kind of involved, and yeah. Then the fifty-five was a live, a live performance with Carl, Carl, oh Carl. uh, Carl sends his love. I wrote it down on a bit of paper. I forgot to send it. <laughs> uh, hey uh, Carl. Hey Carl. Carl yeah. and the Gap Maxes on that as well. And um, oh, you know, yeah, nice. they're both on on this new record. I think it is. It's very. It's definitely the most direct word thing. Um, yeah. And and that might not be the format <laughs> that it continues in forever, but it just felt the right the right thing at this moment. There's so many. There's so many layers of music in there and so many different pressure points that are kind of where the music is, you know, weaving around each other. And, you know, the lines of music are weaving around each other. I felt that the vocal, for it to work, had to be quite in the middle and yeah. kind of quite, you know, not, not trying to do too much, you know. So it's, it's quite raw. It's quite a raw delivery, yeah. you know, that's not affected in any way. It's not trying to do anything too dramatic. It's just kind of almost like the metronome almost in the middle is the words and then all this other stuff is kind of weaving around it, you know, that, yeah, that's why I went for that, that style. You know, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's good, man. It's a, it's a, it's a really good album and uh, somebody needs to get on that shit and release it. Um. so, I mean, the, the vanishing project, is it something that you feel like you're, it's your thing now you're going to carry it on?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you remember when we started it, like um, I kind of looked around for a name for ages. I mean, you always look around for a name for ages, don't you? I mean, yeah. But I, I particularly wanted to find a name that felt quite neutral, so I could do lots of things with it. You know, so the fifty-five degrees north, five degrees east. That was like a dance piece as well, as well as a kind of live album. So yeah, I wanted, yeah. I wanted a project that I felt I could do lots of stuff with. You know, I could mm. do like work with some dance people. I, I I like making films, that's something I quite enjoy. Kind of little short films and, you know, the poetry of different musicians, you know, it feels it feels like something that I can I can stick a lot of stuff to and it and it fits within the vanishing aesthetic. To me anyway, I don't know how other people perceive it, but it, it, that's how it feels for me.
0: So what do you do with all these short films and stuff?
1: <laughs> Tend to like Share them with like one person and then like delete them really but, uh... <laughs> no i i do i enjoy making videos and stuff i enjoy uh you know sometimes for my own pleasure and sometimes uh you know for um you know for vanishing and stuff like that uh i, I find it quite uh quite an enjoyable i don't feel as precious about like <laughs> working with film as I do with music so i okay. can i feel I can do stuff quite quickly and uh you know it's quite rewarding in that way because it doesn't it doesn't um it's not it doesn't have all the baggage of working on it for 20 years like I have as a musician or
0: yeah yeah that little video that you made for us uh that's really nice so so far, if this is our longest podcast <laughs> we, could, uh, we could just chat chat for
1: hours couldn't we um I've so, still got loads of wine left so, no, fucking hell.
0: so um when you talk about vanishing doing these dance pieces and stuff like that, have you got anything else like that lined up at vanishing yeah, with vanishing
1: yeah yeah i mean i'm working on I'm working on some stuff at the moment, drafting some ideas I mean trying to get some the problem with uh, working with like dance and bringing in other elements you know as soon as you start to bring in more physical things then there's a there's a whole other cost world that's involved in that, even if you, you the dancers are your mates and you're barely paying them or not even paying them at all in the way that we often you know work when we're trying to get something off the ground but it, it just it just needs more resources really so trying to get a bit of funding really helps with some of these some of these things really and uh you know working on a few new two new projects that i'm um, you know i want i want some kind of community participation in terms of like some of the writing. One that's particularly about, you know, to do with warfare. And I won't reveal too much because I'd like to kind of keep it under my under my heart, really. And I, I'm kind of developing it whilst, like, there's a really crazy, obviously, stuff going on in Europe and Ukraine and what have you. So I'm trying to be quite sensitive and develop that um, at the moment. When I've got a bit more of a, an idea of it, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go, I'll share a bit more about it. But... uh yeah, I think I like I like working. I like working with other art forms. I like working with you know with film and movement and uh, you know I think it's like I think it's something that's the way that I perceive the world. You know, I, I, I perceive multiple things. You know, some people are quite good at just sitting down and listening to a record, aren't they? And uh, you know. I've never kind of been like that. I've always like had other things in my peripheral vision while I'm listening to stuff. And that's not that I'm distracted or not engaged with it. It's just I find that I find multiple experiences a part of one experience for me. Yeah. So work, working in a in a multidisciplinary way is something that, that has actually presented itself as making sense really and something that's you know I find quite exciting. It just takes just takes more time you know how easy it is to get a get a bit of music off the ground you know you write a few tunes write a bit of music stick some words over it or whatever or not and it's alive isn't it you know those other things just take take more time you know yeah yeah
0: yeah it's a whole other fucking world I mean are you going down the funding route then or what
1: I mean I I think getting funding is is great but you know yeah it's Super, super competitive, and uh, you know, I find it. You know, when you're applying for money, you're applying for public money, so you've got to justify it. So yeah, I've got no issue with like people have to like work their applications out and justify why you're doing it. But I, I, I do find it very labour intensive, and I don't find it personally. I don't find applying for funding for me conducive to being an artist really, because I actually don't like to know really what I'm doing too much. (laughs) (laughs) I like to have an emotional sense of what I'm doing, but I don't like to kind of know the, the full mechanics of everything. And, and, uh, you know, quite often application forms for funding. You've got to detail quite clearly what your intention is and, you know, who's, who's getting involved and why it's happening and all, all those things. And I, you know, I find those questions for me not not conducive for being a a creative who doesn't particularly like to understand his his practice too much. You know, mm. yeah, I like some naivety. Naivety is important in being creative, yeah. isn't? It?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I it kind of sucks the life out of it. I, when I've been, I mean, I, I've looked at funding applications in the past. Uh, I've never actually gone for one, but I've looked at them. And thought, like, oh, there's no way I could even actually fill these in because because of what you just said. So I don't actually know what it is I want to gain from this. It's just an idea, and it could change at any time. You know, there's, like, there's the big idea, and, like, that's got loads of room for fucking things to happen in it. But the big idea is still the big idea. But, like you say, to to narrow it down to these, like, things – that have got to happen. So, have you? Have you got good funding before? Have you? Have you been? I have successful? had some funding before.
1: Yeah, I've had some funding off the arts council. Like, yeah. So,
0: so is it a case that you have to do exactly as you fucking said you've done no. in the application?
1: What? Nobody's no, checking think...
0: up on that, had it?
1: Well, well, probably not. No, but I mean, I'm I'm the type of person who you know, if I want I want it to go well, and you want it, you know, like the idea that you know, once you have had some endorsement with public money. That you do, you know, you spend it properly. You know, I mean, you know, we we look at the world at the moment. uh, Our political leaders that are just, you know, to use Boris Johnson's term, spaffing money up the wall, and that's our money, that's public money. You know, so you want to, you want to feel you kind of doing it, that you're not, you're not. um, No, I don't. You know,
0: I don't mean in any way ripping people off, like taking the money and going and snorting a lot of coke and. Do you know what I mean? Getting one of your mates to dance about in a, in, a, in a fucking... In a, I know. mean,
1: you'd have to, you'd have to speak to somebody from like the Arts Council or some other organisation to say what their criteria is. But I would I would imagine that the the mindful that the creative journey takes unexpected twists and turns when you're working. It on has to.
0: Isn't it? Yeah, it has yeah. to. It? Yeah, it yeah. has to. Has to be a little bit of that. I mean, look at yeah. I mean, God, we could go into the places places that we know that are getting funding and the amount of fucking around that's been going on there with some of those places You know, yeah well I mean so they say that right if you've been successful getting arts council funding once then you're more than likely going to get it again so you've been through the process of having a successful application so maybe you you stand a good chance of getting some and I hope so because I think it's better you getting it than some fucking tough from fucking uh, who doesn't need it. Do you know what I mean? Who doesn't fucking need it just because they know how to fill out a fucking form because they studied it at our college. Do you know what I mean? I agree like, I, Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, I, I, I'm coming from a place of maybe ignorance there saying that, but from what I know, my little bit of experience and from talking to people
1: from- I mean, I think the Arts Council and probably other funding bodies are slowly well, I mean they have been for a while, like taking into account things like socioeconomic backgrounds, you know. There's often a question, you know, what was the what was the main breadwinning you I was doing when you was age fourteen or something, what job did they have, you know, some kind of indicator of of your kind of social um class. So I mean I, it does seem like these things are are kind of moving in the right direction in terms of yeah. like spreading the money a bit more wider to people yeah. who were, you know, got self-taught practices or, you know, yeah. just being, stumbling through their artistic career without ever really realizing that they had an artistic career, you know, which is what a lot yeah. of like working class artists do, don't they? You know, no, they, don't okay, even, right. they don't even know that they're artists, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. you know, it feels like that stuff's moving in the right direction. And, uh, yeah. You know, there's more more funding. Well, maybe there isn't, but I, I get a sense that there's more funding that that's been ring fenced for you know protected characteristics and gender and stuff. There's like that,
0: diversity stuff, yeah. In yeah. Ireland now, in positive, Ireland, you know? yeah, definitely. No, it is. It is. In Ireland, they've tried to sort of make it a bit more egalitarian. Or maybe not. Maybe that's not the right word, but they're experimenting with this idea of basic income for the arts. So they've done a pilot scheme where um, 6,000 people applied or 9,000 people applied, artists applied for this basic income for the arts, which was basically, it's basically like the dole, but a really well-paid dole that you get every week um, to be an artist. And so I, and they're doing it for three years. It's a three year scheme. So 2000 people were selected at random. I applied for it. Um, I got through the first process, I got accepted as being eligible to get it, but I didn't get picked out of the hat randomly. A few of my friends did. I'm really jealous of the bastards because they're, <laughs> they're getting really well fucking paid to do music and great. I'm fucking delighted for them or not just music, but to do whatever there is that they do, which is fantastic. But the, the plan of the scheme, I think is to kind of figure out how should we divvy out the money for the arts? Should it be, we make people fill out these application forms and you get these certain amount of people who are really good at f- filling out application forms. Because in Ireland, I know people who go to a, a guy I mean, fucking hell, maybe I should be saying well, whatever. I know people who ha- who know people that will fill out forms for people. And you know what I mean? And and big yeah, uh, big like, writers
1: yeah. bid writers exist everywhere, don't they? They kind of that's like a legitimate uh, job, I think,
0: isn't it? Is yeah. it? Yeah, just yeah. like lawyers and that, isn't it? Yeah, legitimate like well, yeah. like, like yeah. you
1: know, organizations have people that, that their specific job is to you know, right very, bids, yeah, use, no, stuff. I know, yeah
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, but I mean, I think this this universal this basic income for the arts, this seems like a little bit more of a fairer way of making it happen, oh, I don't have much faith, though, I feel like in like this in Ireland, they're gonna roll it out for t- three years, oh, nah, we're not doing that because I don't know how they're going to fucking in what way they're going to measure the effect of what's that, what that's done for the arts in Ireland. Like how do they, how, how are they going to quantify well, the effect probably, of doing that? I mean, I'm, I'm well, interested to see how it's careers. going to happen. Just going to follow
2: the careers of those 2000 and see if there's any improvement and if they can become self-sufficient after it. I mean, yeah. if they can, that's, good for them because they won't keep falling back onto benefits and
0: well you know. I i think I think that does yeah I mean if I got that money I would definitely be fucking a shoe in for fucking do making making something work out of that. Definitely because that's it was enough it's enough money to fucking make sure you could actually build something for enough money for enough time to be able to build Something solid out of, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, to all create
2: at, I mean really, yeah. at the end of the day, they want people off those kind of benefits and earning money to be able to pay tax, don't they? So, yeah, but win, all on. on th- win for th- but this
0: is the thing. This is the thing, though. It wasn't just people on benefits getting it. Like, all the people I know who got it, who applied, they're artists, but they've all got full time jobs as well. And they still work their full time jobs. Right. Okay, some of them haven't some of them have gone all oh, right i'll I'll take some time off to do the music, and then some of them have gone to spend on musical instruments, but I'll still work my job. Do you know like yeah it's it should really i don't know there's a, they sh- they shouldn't have done it by drop drawing out of the hat, they should have just given it to wasters on the doll, <laughs> you know what I mean. They, honestly they should have just given it to artists that are well, right right the Dole. Yeah, just say, Yeah, hey, uh, all you artists that are on the doll, which is pretty much every artist in Ireland, uh, if not most of them anyway, say take the fucking money and, and see what you can do out of it. And I, I reckon like more than half of those wasters would do something really, really great out of it. I don't really? know if some I don't know if some of these people I know have got full time jobs will will do anything good with it because they're just going to spend it on fancy gear and be like, "Oh, I'll I'll go and do this," you know. But you know, because they made the decision a long time ago that they were going to work full time jobs, and you know. And, uh, anyway,
1: well, it and, ties and, into what, what we were saying earlier on, though, doesn't it? Is like, where do we place? Obviously, you're talking about Ireland, so not the the UK, but you know, where do we place culture in our lives? What you know, what you know what outcomes do we want out of it what outcomes do we need out of it you know if that if that individual's life is we've got some funding they're able to live a better life that makes more sense to them then they're going to contribute in a more meaningful way to society in yeah you
0: know,
1: maybe in intangible ways you know it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go and get a job and start paying x amount of tax but they're, they're going to they're going to contribute it to society in a better way, aren't they? You know, because they're, yeah. they're, they're in a better position, uh, mm-hmm. reflecting who they are as a person. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We just don't have a, we don't have a real, we don't have that engagement, do we seemingly with the, uh, you know, rec- recognizing that we don't recognize why artists make art. <laughs> yeah. as a financial that's... transaction, you know? Right?
0: Yeah. yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's the thing. I I I think a lot of artists, I think a lot of people, like you say, some people don't know they're artists. Like I'd say most musicians, like working class musicians anyway, people, people come from working class background w- wouldn't think of themselves as artists. You know what I mean? Uh, it's th- things like that. I mean, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, this... Really, this, we should all just get proper jobs and just stop fucking wasting our time doing this <laughs> shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but we've, we've all
1: we've all done proper jobs, have not we? We've all done that stuff before, Of yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. we, we yeah. keep returning yeah. to this stuff, and it never goes away, and it's never resolved, is it? You know, you never go. Well, I'm not going to do. it. I mean, you know, as you said, we're all in our forties now. And we've not we've not slung it in. There's loads of people that I know that were making music alongside me when I was in my early twenties that aren't doing stuff anymore, you yeah, know, so yeah. th- some statement has been made amongst some of us that we're doing this long haul, aren't we, you know, so it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's about trying to trying to plan long haul and think about, you know, do, do you want to get paid out of it or do you want to do that or, you know, do you want to, you know, do you want it to be self-sufficient in some way or do you do you just want it to be, you know, not troubling in some, in some way? <laughs>
0: what 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 do you think? Do you think it's a case of if you stick it out and you just keep on going, somewhere down the line, somebody's going to go, oh, yeah, <laughs> nice one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, well, you're, I, I, you are I mean, an a, artist, aren't you? You are an yeah. artist, well done.
1: Well, yeah. I, I absolutely think I am an artist. I'm a working-class yeah. guy who thinks that it, it very much is an artist. And, yeah. you know, I think ultimately, yeah, I do, I really... I. I do. I know this society doesn't pan out like this, but you know, I do think that there is there's flashes of truth where like truth coalesces in society, and if you've been doing good things and making good work for a long while, then at some moment it resonates. You know, it resonates with somebody. You know, and uh, you know, I, I yeah, I, I want a I want a career out of this. I want to get paid for it, simply because I wouldn't have to work as much, you know, and that would mean I could do more stuff but ultimately, all I'm really all I'm really caring about and I think probably, you know both of you is the same, is, is that is that the work gets better and that it rewards me and my work I feel does get better, so that's, you know, yeah I want to be paid, I want this new album to come out on a label, but Ultimately, if I keep making work and it and it rewards me, then then I'm I'm doing everything right that I can control. I can't control the rest of it, you know. Yeah, cool.
0: you think so? Doing this gives your life meaning. Would you say that?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I started probably like yourself started making. I wasn't a musician at school. I didn't know history of it in my family. I started doing it when I was like. 17 or 18 or whatever when I was just angry at the world like a lot of you know 17 18 year olds are, and uh you know writing poems and stuff just to try and as an outlet for for anger and mm. you know it's the day for me it's more complex because I've been doing it for 25 years or something but you know at the root of it is the idea that I'm trying to you know find my way through the the madness of the world it makes sense of it all
0: yeah 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 totally it's like um, for me it's like a it's, it's an outlet but it's like some language that I've learnt uh, to deal to use to deal with life what? you know what I mean that sounds so up its own ass but you know, like I don't play music like a like a proper musician, but I've managed to like all of us have uh, managed to find a way into it and to express myself through it in a way that is like definitely like feels like more and more. You're saying you f- you feel like your stuff is improving. I feel the same, but for me, it's more of an angle of like I'm 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 developing more and more of a, a my own language, my own sort of sound my own fucking every, every day every week every time i mess around with some sounds anytime i get a machine out that i don't know what i'm doing but i figure something out with it it's becoming more and more just like vocabulary in in this really strange language that i've got and i think that at some point over time i've been doing it what over 20 years or, or for 20 years now another five ten years that language is going to have developed into some you know, it's just about sticking with it, isn't it? And just like, whatever your craft is, whether it's... Because I used to have this, I'm sure maybe we all had it, I don't know, this, this imposter kind of syndrome about being around proper musicians and thinking, fucking hell, like, they know, they know, all of the cons here know that I can't fucking, I don't know what a C is. I haven't got a <laughs> clue what a fucking G a G is. I'm fucked. You know? And um and then over time I've realized I oh, well that's it's all bollocks anyway. And um and it's like then you start to realize like that, oh yeah, this is where like you can be magic and just do whatever the fuck you want. And it's like create your whole, whole, whole language and world out of this shit. And it's still there's, exciting. You might, it's still fun. You know,
1: totally, it's that confidence yeah. to say there's an entry point for me to come in here. You know, and it does. It takes time, that you know. I like, you know, the musicians that played on on this new vanishing record of, you know, some of the best musicians I've played with, and you know, it's kind of, you know, you feel a little bit, out, you know, intimidated for exactly the the reasons that you've just outlined there, Paddy. You know, but when I'm trying to trying to talk about things in a more painterly atmospheric way you know not not having the you know the language of uh, being able to read music or whatever you know but there is access points in there and if you're working with good people then they will recognize that you know and it's i suppose finding the good people in it the good people who who can Uh, you know the, the great players that are just like open to like playing with people just because they can feel, they can feel the emotional resonance in it. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, remember the
0: best, they're the best man. When you find those people. so sorry, Chris. What I saying? remember,
2: I remember at the time, Gareth, when, um, you know, we started talking about like doing something. And I, I, I think around that time I was pretty much like, I think not long before that, I was thinking of just selling everything, selling all my gear and just like, well, I tried music and it didn't really work for me, kind of thing. I'm pretty sure you were pretty, um, you know, there was a bit of a catalyst there that you brought to what I needed at the time, where it was just like, come on, we can do something here, you know?
1: Absolutely, mate. I I hope that is true. I I, I totally thought that, like, man. I really
2: appreciate that, though. Like, you know, you kind of gave me a bit of confidence in what I was doing, you know, because at the time I was just thinking, nah. Probably, probably. That's probably it for me. You know, probably never going to do anything in music again. You know.
1: Well, I probably felt the same, mate. I probably felt the yeah. same. I think I'd come come out of doing what I was doing and not really enjoying it. And uh, you know, I'd got more into writing. I suppose because it's a bit more, you can control it a bit more. Yeah. Really. But that's that's really lovely to to where you say that. But you know, I, I've you know, I've pursued a, a career of music that was triggered after not making any music. Until it was like a year where I didn't do anything. Yeah. Until until we started making something, and I've been doing stuff fairly continuously since then. You know, so it, it's, it's it's happened in the same way. It was a good it was a good thing we did.
0: <laughs> yeah, it definitely. What are was. You doing, man? What am I doing? I'm I'm fucking combing my beard, mate. <laughs> it's what I do now. Do you wrap this up because I want to watch the second half? <laughs> yeah.
1: We've what, had a good United? chat. Yeah. What what Scores United, you know? No, no. Yeah. The Codheads are winning, aren't
0: they? Who? Codheads. <laughs> it's it's Codheads. Game. Grimms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what you call them, yeah, in hull, the Codheads.
1: What do they call you? Probably something similar, you know. So. <laughs> I've not been to a game for ages, but United are looking good actually, aren't they?
2: Yeah, if man. Like,
1: to be honest, Chris, you know we talk about like you know the, the the inspirational musical beginnings and big dreams, but you know we probably did bond fairly well over football as well. Yeah, we? for sure.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watching yeah, the games, right. I remember, it's quite you know, rare to find people in our field, isn't it? That. Uh, that are into sports. That are banging you know, the
1: point, like, uh, not a lot of sport
2: sports people in strange weird music, you know, groups, is yeah. there? You know? No,
1: no, well, there you're probably
2: not. is, but they hide it quite well. <laughs>
1: Maybe they've not got the confidence. To, maybe they're from <laughs> a slightly different class background and they've not got the confidence to come in yeah. <laughs> on that angle. I don't know the language. I don't know. The, I don't know. It's, it's like that episode of uh, IT crowd where they go to a football game. Have you ever seen that? It's very funny. No, I've never seen it. <laughs> never. Uh, they're just trying to say the words so they look authentic. <laughs> okay. <it's>, you
0: know, <laughs> <laughs> Last football game I went to, which was United, I think I fell asleep to. I I went with my mate. I think I I went with my mate Kitch and his dad. They brought me a Christmas time. And I think I'd been up all night partying. And uh, they took me to the game. And it's obviously sitting down. And I fell asleep. And uh, Kitch's dad was like, Oh, we're never bringing that cunt to a game again. Um, But I remember I went to one with them the year before that. And I think it was United versus. Inter Milan or AC Milan, and it was the one where they they had the it was where everybody was wearing those anti Glazer scarves. And Beckham was playing, or he was he was involved with the other team that United were playing. United four Mid- Mid- one would have been like the I thing. Oh no, AC Milan. Yeah, he did play for-, for Milan, didn't yeah. it, At the end of his career, yeah, it, was A- it was AC Milan. And United fucking hammered it. it was a, It was a beautiful game. I, was, I took my little brother there. That's what it was. Me and my little brother went. And that was a fucking amazing game. And we got to see, we were right behind the goal. There. United scored a couple of
1: goals against AC Milan. It was,
0: yeah. Yeah, the foot, football is good crack, isn't it? It is good crack, actually.
1: I mean, it's, it's a bit of a game. distraction, if I'm honest, for me. It's just something I use to kind of relax, really. And uh... yeah. You know, I don't get as angry about it as I, I kind of used to. but uh, I,
2: still, I can still get quite sentimental about it, though. Like the other, like last week was staying in a hotel that was near Old Trafford. You know, Old Trafford was just, you could almost see it if one of the buildings weren't in the way. <laughs> uh, it just hit me. I was just like, fucking hell, people have been playing on that pitch over there for fucking 100 and, 120 odd years. You know what I mean? It's pretty mad, really.
1: You know, yeah, all the people that have gone through those terraces, you know, and all, all the stories behind those people, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a strange phenomenon, isn't it? Just how uh, how popular it is at the moment. I, it's never been as popular, I don't think, has it? No, I mean, United's grounds fill every week, isn't it? and there's 80,000 yeah. people there. I mean, it's pretty much, yeah. I remember United in like the late 80s, the ground held about 35,000 or something, didn't it? Yeah, you know, so. Forty four,
2: I think it was, because I used to go then as well.
1: Right. Okay. Right. But almost half the size of what it is nowadays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going <laughs> to say. I was, I was just going to say, Gareth, we really appreciate you, man, and uh, looking forward to hearing what else you're going to come out with over the, in in the future, and uh, I hope that really hope you get somewhere good for your your next vanishing album and. It deserves to be somewhere good, and you know what I mean. Just don't ever stop. Just keep doing the thing, isn't it? And that's it, really.
1: Cheers, mate. Cheers. Well, you know, I'm very bloody minded about all this stuff, you know. So I'm, I'm not really going to. Uh, yeah, going to stop now. No.
0: Good, good. And I'll see you in uh, April or May or something like that.
1: Right. Well, I've enjoyed like, this, you know. So thanks for having us. It was really good, rest. man. I feel like, like uh, we could just yeah. keep
0: chatting for hours and hours and hours. It's like. Uh, yeah will like we one just... of the Stranger Sun practices again, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> Up
1: to the end of it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think we covered anything. Is there anything that you wanted to speak about? I mean, it's a bit late now, but if, nah, if there was anything... you do
1: so, you know. You know it's, uh, we covered the three, the big three, the Holy Trinity, you know. Stranger <laughs> Sun, Modern, Vanishing, you know.
0: We'll do another one sometime
1: next year, maybe. We can
0: always do it again when your album... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man. Albums coming out. We can do one and just have a quick chat about that as well. Do you know? So.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. know. Thanks, thanks for having us. No, no worries. All <laughs> 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 right. All well, right. Bye, boys. Too.
0: Take care, later. lads. See
1: you, See you yeah. later.